like the fun here. Standing more while thinking out loud that we forget that golden is much more than two words, an empathetic view amidst crumbling worlds. Hearts be the compass, stars as our guides. Live this adventure with you. to be back with you all in this new season. You know, the thing I love most about this podcast is getting to hear candid insights into the lives of other brethren. Even though I feel like I'm culturally and theologically a modern brethren guy, I know my lifestyle and background is different than others who feel the same way. I love listening and learning about who the members of our community are and what they're doing, what they're going through. We get to hear again from someone in our community who has been introduced to us and has further opened our eyes to real struggles of members of our community, this community, the brethren, the Dunkerpunks, the church. We last heard from Gabe Padilla on the podcast back in March of 2021, so it is high time we had an update about Gabe's life and the goings-on in those Western Plains. Gabriel Padilla, born and raised in Wichita, Kansas, he is a math teacher and a member of the Wichita and McPherson Church of the Brethren congregations. He is an advocate, educator, proud uncle, godfather, queer, Hufflepuff, Chiefs fan, and transgender. If you missed the first episode and want to take about a half hour to get caught up, check out episode 111 in our archives on arlingtoncob.org dpp. But for now, take it away, Gabe. I was on the road from Wichita to Omaha listening and attempting to sing along with some of my favorite Christian artists, some being Mutual Kumquat, New Song, and Toby Mac. Then the song that's brand new this year, Better Way by Megan Duke, new artist, came out and then it played at least 10 times in my five-hour drive. You could say that basically I love this song. Duke sings... I believe in a better way. I believe in a deeper love. I believe that there's a brighter day coming for all of us. 
And every single time I kept playing it, the nudge just felt greater. While I've told people my story with the church in episode 111, I realized that in a year and a half, so much more has happened. Maybe people would be willing to listen to it. Because since everything has happened in 2019 and until now, and it continues to happen, many of my close friends and fellow Christians ask me how a queer, Latino, transgender, ally, teacher, and advocate manages to stay in the church. Megan Duke's song comes to mind. Especially the part where she says, I believe that there is a brighter day coming for all of us. Maybe someday that day will happen. I ended 111 by telling everyone that God tells us to love her and our neighbor with no exceptions and that Western Plains District came out with a non-discrimination policy and that I had gotten my happy ending. But change is in a straight line. There are so many curves and turns that it can be difficult to be hopeful. I came to church with that notion and that what has happened since that policy has come out has been exactly that. In June of 2021, I was in New Orleans celebrating my best friend's bachelorette party. Honestly, I was having the time of my life. Just being there with my friends and visiting a new place. We stopped for pizza after midnight because we could. Why not? As I was waiting for pizza, I noticed that my Facebook profile picture had been shared. So like anyone else... I looked to see who it was, thinking it was probably my mom again. Instead, it was a pastor who had been giving me grief since 2019, the one I had spoken of in my previous episode. In a sense, this person outed me to their Facebook friends without my permission. This is problematic because LGBTQ people, especially LGBTQ people of color, are murdered at alarming rates within our country. Last year, there were over 40 people who were murdered. I don't want to be one of those 40. I am privileged because I was able to get a hold of people in leadership right after I saw it. Shout out to them for waking up. Within the early morning, I was able to speak to our district executive. I recognize that in other districts within the COB and other religious practices, this may not have happened. So again... Acknowledging that I have that privilege. Honestly, being in New Orleans was a good distraction, but I knew that I was angry and upset on the inside because my safety and being were under attack. The only thing I could think of, folks, was trying to create a video that basically said I was disappointed. However, I, as a Christian, I needed to extend my hand out to this person and work this out. A lot of people commended me on saying this, but in reality, it was really hard. I didn't want to love this person, but I knew if I was filled with hate, that I would re get hate returned back to me. So I knew I had to try to stay positive. Many people called me crazy and told me I should have walked right, right there. But I reminded myself of everything my Nana Lucy has taught me. Love people, no exceptions. It was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. But what good would it have done to attack this person? What I thought of was my niece and my nephew, who despite, despite being young at the, this time, would eventually hear about what their Apple Gabe did. 
What about my students? What about children's in the pews at the churches I attend? I know that they are all watching, and it is something that I must be aware of. Since I chose the latter, I agreed to mediation, with the agreement that we would be respectful and listen to one another. Sadly, this never got to happen. They chose to leave our district and our denomination. This began a huge conflict with me, because I wanted to be happy they were gone, but instead I lamented and discerned. Nothing got resolved, and as an empathetic human being, that almost did me in. I never once had the expectation that everything would be perfect by any means. However, I thought we would at least be able to work in our perspective spaces with the understanding of respect. But they just left. What was I going to do? This all happened within the fall and winter of 2021, and everything went quiet, which to me seemed peaceful. At least I thought. I thought, despite the fact that the people were leaving the district or denomination, that those of us that were left would get a chance to use our gifts in some capacity. Don't get me wrong, church. I want to be clear. I've gone to do so much within my community, my church, my district, and my close-knit group. I've had privilege to be able to be unapologetically me and have strong allies within my work, community, and church life. Not every LGBTQ person and LGBTQ person of color has that seat at the table, especially in a church setting. But I know that I want to do more and bigger things like any other person and use my voice all for good. Of course, there's a but. I swear, folks, every time I'm on vacation, something happens. And this vacation was in Florida. Never had been there before. Really excited. Harry Potter world for this fellow Hufflepuff. I was told by many people within my district that despite our non-discrimination policy, people in higher leadership within my own church district wanted me to be hold, held off of being in a leadership capacity when it came to working with youth. I was shocked. I felt like this entire time, I, along with my allies, had worked hard to pave the way for not just me to be able to be in leadership, but for others as well. Waiting a year to get everyone on board sounds nice and all, but I was so upset. Because I thought if we had a non-discrimination policy, then maybe, just maybe, I, will fi I would finally get the title of coordinator of children, young, junior high, senior high activities, I was wrong. What I could not fathom is how we have a non-discrimination policy and then refuse to follow it because people who are not willing to listen and have a conversation in a loving way were allowed to have the majority voice. And I wasn't even being made aware of it. It was all in the shadows. Thankfully, people stood up and told me. Now, I know some people may not agree with that, telling me and everything, but how am I supposed to fight for myself if I don't even know what's going on? And again, many people have told me to wash my hands and be done with the church because my mental health is more important, which is super valid. However, again, 
I think about the human I needed when I was younger or even in college. I had Sarah Harjo, my 10th grade English teacher, Sharonda Macklin, the dean of students at the college, McPherson College. Therefore, church, I absolutely refuse to sit and wait another year for people who are already thinking about leaving the church because they cannot fathom loving their LGBTQ person of color or person with different abilities neighbor. If there is anything I have learned from being a part of this denomination is that we preach love and peace. So despite my sounding harsh currently, it comes from a place of being hurt and trying to love. Despite this, I still pressed on somehow. While traveling to Camp Colorado, I got a call asking if I'd be willing to be co-coordinator of junior and senior hire for our district conference. I gladly accepted this position, knowing full well this may put me in an awkward position because I knew people didn't want me to be have that position, but the person who I coordinated with wasn't willing to do it on their own and said they would love for me to do it. So, obviously I accepted. Good troublemaking can be fun sometimes. Terrifying, but fun. Fast forward a little bit in the summer, I got to go to annual conference and was able to be co-coordinator of junior high activities and had no issues. Honestly, we had a blast with all 22 junior hires. Omaha was my very first annual conference, and it was hard to have a commitment knowing that I wouldn't get the full experience of conference. However, I enjoyed dinners with my friends, late night hangs with old and new friends alike, strolling around Omaha. My favorite part was getting to experience the different worship services. Leonor Ochoa's sermon struck me because not only did she do it fully in Spanish in a room full of older white folk, but I actually, I knew I'm Hispanic. I understood her. So there was something about that, being able to understand her and not necessarily having to listen to the translator that made my heart happy. The highlight of the conference though, was hanging out with the young adults I had met via Zoom through Young Adults on Fire. Those physical hugs really made all the difference in the pain that I had endured since right before the pandemic that all of them had heard about. Some young adults like myself shared the pain and hurt from all the anti-LGBTQ and non-inclusive language from our church districts and denominations. But we're still here. We have hope that maybe someday everything We'll be all rainbows and fantastic. We're all holding hands and loving our neighbors. Maybe. Someday. On Thursday morning, I sat near the front because I was helping with the offering, and it was a great seat in the house. As service wrapped up, they continued with the consecration of the new leaders. Since I've seen this a few times, normally I find this part annoying, if I can be honest here. Because each moderator normally says the exact same thing as the next. And so you're like, whoo, but also like, I've already heard this. But Tim McElwee began speaking and I was drawn in. He spoke about people of color not really having a voice or a seat at the table in the Church of the Brethren. My head was going, is he going to keep going? And he did. And I wondered 
if he would include LGBTQ people. My friend behind me is grabbing my arm, holding it, squeezing it. I was floored to hear that he also acknowledged LGBTQ people suffering from religious trauma in our denomination. And we, as a denomination, needed to hear that and acknowledge that ourselves. Having a straight, white, middle-aged man in privilege within the church acknowledge this hurt of people in a community that he is not a part of, like myself, and have others be a witness to it was the most beautiful thing. When I heard this, I didn't know what to do, but just sit. I had never had this ever happen in my life where I got to be acknowledged for all the years that I had gone through, these pains and hurts. When I spoke to moderator McElwee before I left conference, I thanked him for speaking up. And I'll never forget his response. I know I'll receive backlash from that statement, but none of it compares to the pain and trauma you have endured. As someone who is an ally, this is how you do allyship. Because you are acknowledging the pain and you are willing to take that pain on or that trauma on so that I don't have to feel it anymore. And that's powerful. When you have the privilege to speak out for those who do not have a seat at the table, do it. And if you don't feel comfortable doing so, bring a chair for them to sit in. Take them for a cup of coffee. Have a conversation with them. If you're far away from each other, a couple states apart, call them on the phone. Ask them, what can you do? Because that's the first thing that you have to do is ask, what can you do? Listen. Not assume that you know what they need to do or what they want, but ask them what do they want. After the last four years of dealing with discrimination within my own church district, I recognize I have privilege. Because there are people in the shadows who use their power to stand up for me and others. And I also have privilege because I'm sitting here with you right now giving you this podcast episode that other people may not have the privilege to do. And don't get me wrong. I and others will continue to fight for everyone to have a seat at the table until leadership, denominationally and district-wise in my own church district, say enough is enough. Moderator McElwee has spoken his thoughts and now it is time for him to walk the walk and for our leadership to do the same. I want listeners to remember, you can say you are an ally in whichever capacity to any group of people, but until you take action and do the allyship piece, the action piece, they are just words. Which I have no doubt our leadership will continue to do the work. I just want to make that clear. As somebody who trains to become a better ally, we always discuss that we can be an ally. We can talk the talk, but until we walk the walk, it's just air. 
coming out of our mouths. So now what? Right? All this stuff has happened. It's been all over the place. It's been on curves, turns, dead ends. What now, Gabe? This is part two. What is my hope? My hope is that as a church district and denomination, we discern these words that the moderator has spoken. I hope that someday all siblings of color, LGBTQ, and more are allowed to serve or continue to serve in a leadership capacity and whatever that looks like. My hope is that my own leadership people actually use the non-discrimination policy they put into place to allow people who aren't straight, white, and older to serve if they have the gifts to do so. The only way we are going to change this church is by discerning, talking to each other, listening to one another. Together we are powerful. But we are to remember to love God and our neighbor, no exceptions. He never put a definition of what neighbor means. We have put definitions on what neighbors mean. We can do this peacefully, simply, together. Amen. Thank you for sharing, Gabe, and for being open with this community of Dunkerpunks, and for not giving up on the institutions that are the church and the Church of the Brethren like so many have over the past couple decades. Like Gabe said, I'm so glad that the moderator of the Church of the Brethren at annual conference acknowledged the pain and is keeping the conversation of inclusivity on top of our denominational to talk about list. LGBTQ Christians are a group that has been discriminated against and pushed away by Big C Church, by Little C Church, by Church of the Brethren Annual Conference, by Church of the Brethren Districts, by your friendly neighborhood congregations, just by showing up and wanting to participate wholly in agape love and worship. I'll be honest, listening to Gabe's episodes made me cry multiple times, and I'm having a tough time trying to give a wrap-up homily to this episode and not a scathing, scolding rant in a fruitless attempt to hold my conservative siblings in Christ, my Christian family, to account as I've done in my mind so many times while recording this. How do you roll your eyes at the mention of talking about LGBTQ inclusivity at annual conference? How do you otherize your fellow brethren until your community is an exclusive club of the few? Basically, everything Gabe said in this episode has been on my mind lately since my congregation, Washington City Church of the Brethren, is having conversations about inclusivity right now. And I'm also on the annual conference program and arrangements committee, helping to plan next year's annual conference. So I've been able to get caught up on some of the ins and outs of our denomination. I'm by no means an expert yet. The thing that's truly bothering me is like what Gabe mentioned how a good chunk of people and groups that have been doing the most unabashed, discriminating, bullying, and general harm to the LGBTQ folks in our church are just leaving. There's no resolution. There's no listening. There's no love feast. 
just doesn't make sense to me, and above all, it's not fair. Rationally, the only people justified in leaving this situation for their mental, emotional, and spiritual health are LGBTQ plus folks, and maybe some are, but Gabe stayed. I'm staying. Dunker Punks are here. Young adults on fire meet every month and are active and alive. Why? I come to this question all too often, as I think we all should, actually, questioning our faith and our devotion to the church community makes us the radical Christian Anabaptists that have existed for centuries. We stay, we struggle together, we dialogue as a denomination about things we don't understand in each other, because that's what Jesus taught us to do. And Jesus recognized that bringing people together through God's love was most difficult and costly, but oh, is it worth it to see the next generations born to a world that's so much more loving and welcoming and beautifully diverse. We feel the call to fellowship. I mentioned this year, I accepted a nomination and was elected to program and arrangements committee and was also asked to lead music for National Youth Conference, which I did. You better believe I asked myself, should I do these things? Is it worth it? Because I knew it would be stressful adding them on top of working a full-time job, editing a podcast, leading music at church each week, doing family stuff. And yeah, it was a hectic year. But from the first song at National Youth Conference and hearing a thousand youth and advisors from all walks of life sing and worship together, I knew, of course, the things we deal with are indeed worth fueling the fire of the Church of the Brethren. Having future music leaders on stage each evening, teaching their peers new songs in different languages was especially poignant to me. I'm becoming more involved in the Big C Church of the Brethren because it's the community that helps guide my way through life. It nurtures my spiritual journey, and it has this quirky culture of being compassionate and countercultural, even in tough times, that deep down I vibe with. I think the last personal note I'll say to the question of why is that when I'm struggling with these why questions, for continuing fellowship and dialogue on difficult discussions like what moderator Tim brought back up at the end of annual conference. I think about what Jesus calls, really what Jesus commands us to do. I like how Gabe's Nana phrases it, saying that we're called to love people, no exceptions. And that is biblical. That is beautiful. And that is the hardest task to do in life but the world is one step more heaven-like each time we do. And I think we want the world to be more heaven-like when we leave it than when we came into it. Amen. To send us out, I wanted to share with you an offering liturgy that Pastor Matt Riddle wrote for Arlington Church of the Brethren the other week that feels like a relevant sending to us. It's based off Romans 10, 12 to 14. I'm going to read both parts. Live in true devotion to one another, loving each other as sisters, brothers, and all siblings. Be first to honor others by putting them first. Do not slack in your faithfulness and hard work. Let your spirit be on fire, bubbling up and boiling over as you serve the Lord. 
we will not forget to rejoice, for hope is always just around the corner. Holding up through hard times that are coming, we devote ourselves to prayer. We will share what we have with our neighbors and communities so they lack nothing, taking every opportunity to open our life and home to others. When people mistreat or malign us, we will bless them. If someone has cause to celebrate, we will join in the celebration. If someone has cause to weep, we will join in the weeping. We work towards unity and strive to live in harmony with one another. Let's avoid thinking we're better than someone else. Instead, embrace common people and ordinary tasks. Do not retaliate evil for evil, regardless of the evil brought against us. Trying to do what's good and right as much as in our power, we live in peace with all people. In the spirit of these words from Romans, we give our gifts. We give faithfully to fulfill the promise of our words. Thank you for listening. Truly, the Dunker Punks podcast is a denomination of listeners putting in the hard work of love and conversation. This episode was brought to us by Gabe Badia, along with myself, Jacob Krause, hosting, editing, and providing music. Suzanne Lay manages production and communications. Beacon Heights Church of the Brethren, Arlington Church of the Brethren, and On Earth Peace sponsor the show. Do you want to be a part of the Dunker Punks podcast? Your congregation can help support and amplify youth and young adult voices on this very platform by sponsoring the podcast. Email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for details, including an info packet to take to your church board about maybe throwing in a budget line for DPP. Tis the season for church board budgeting. If you or someone you know are a current or recent secondary education student, you can apply to become a Dunkerpunks Podcast communications intern. This On Earth Peace sponsored position will gain you experience with communications, project production and social media, fundraising and graphic design, and get you paid. Email us once again at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for a job description and more deeds. Check out the podcast on your favorite social media platform. We are at Dunkapunks Pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. If you're like me and feel particularly inspired by an episode or maybe your own story, create some art and share it with us. We'd love to share it around on our social media channels. If you have an idea for an episode or a series, we'd love to hear that as well. Send us an email with your thoughts at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Look out for our next episode in two weeks, which will continue our series on interviewing seasoned ministers about their hopes for the future. Until then, much love, peace, Dunker Pulse.